Welcome to the Appliance Educator Podcast, presented by Z-Line Kitchen and Bath, attainable luxury designed in Lake Tahoe. On today's episode of the podcast, we get the opportunity to pick the brain of the creative genius Scott Jensen behind James Martin Vanities. Unfortunately, lucky number 13 struck us here at the Appliance Educator Podcast, and we lost the hard drive with our video content for today's episode. If you're an audio listener, nothing much will change, but you'll be sure to see our smiling faces back on YouTube soon. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Appliance Educator Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest. Uh, We're joined by Scott Jensen. Scott, hello. And we're really excited to have him today. And as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Nick. Nick, how are you doing? Oh, good. Good to be here. And, uh, you know, we're really lucky to have Scott on because he's just got so much insight into trends in the industry, where things are headed, and really developing a beautiful space and a beautiful product. So without much further ado, Scott, welcome aboard. And uh, would you, you be kind enough to just share everyone a brief history of your time in the industry and with James Martin? Yes. Uh, <laughs> actually, going the history goes back for me quite a ways. I started selling furniture when I was still in high school. Uh, at Nebraska Furniture Mart, and that stemmed from an interest, just a, a actually an early childhood interest in furniture and design. So really, yeah. Was there a particular piece that kind of sparked the fire, or I, a style? I think I was always just, uh, I guess, what how we would call it today is interior environments. Interesting. Uh, the first time that was pointed out to me, I was probably gosh, I was probably only eleven or twelve, but when we would have family get-togethers and go to restaurants, one of my relatives said, hey, you're you're not paying attention to what's going on with the people. You're looking at the the space, you're looking at the restaurant. So uh, she had a good eye and she was was supportive in that and actually uh, gave me a subscription to Architectural Digest when I was probably 11 or 12 years old. So that got it started. So that was good, good reinforcement. And just never, never wanted to, to get out of that, uh, that interest. So, uh, as I said, I went, started selling furniture when I was still in high school at Nebraska Furniture Mart, and went to school for uh, industrial design and sculpture. Furniture, so furniture design was sort of a, a split in between the two, uh, a happy medium for me uh, because pure industrial design is takes a takes a certain personality and a certain dedication uh, to oh the minutia the details of the design and you know, the functionality the functionality is, yeah. is 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 there's a there's many 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 more parameters uh, for industrial design versus product design where you can choose to be uh, a little bit explore a little bit more design wise and it sounds like you really took this lifelong passion and sort of focused it in on then crafting these pieces that complement this larger aesthetic in the space right right so part of it part of my design history well most of it was influenced by my background and actually the retail side the selling of the products and that's where you realize that the, the customer has to, number one, be able to use it, has to be able to understand the product, appreciate it, has to be functional. 
and it has to be uh, worthwhile for what they're what they're looking for. So that does, that can doesn't matter whether the product is a cabinet or a sofa, or uh, a light fixture, or a sink or a faucet. It's it's got to it's got to fulfill its role, and it's got to be interesting to the to the person who's actually going to make the purchase. Yeah, and it fi- it fill it fills a purpose, but it also fills an aesthetic like piece to the larger idea of the room. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So then, uh, what brought you in with James Martin, and can you give us like a brief overview with your career there? Yes, we started uh, we started to ramp up James Martin back in 2012, and they the the partners had been producing bathroom vanities for their own e-tail brand, uh, a company called Max Furniture, Max Industries. And they were finding good success with the vanity product and decided to, to pay more attention to that product. And it was just a coincidence that I happened to be uh, in the right place at the right time when one of the, one of the owners of Max was available to meet and said, hey, I have this idea where we can take vanities to another level uh, would you be interested? And I knew that vanities were, in the U.S., traditionally an underserved market. Mm. There wasn't a huge selection at medium price points. You either had sort of basic, uh, you know, in a box ready to go cabinetry, or you had custom cabinetry. And a lot of people were familiar that when you build a new house, the, the kitchen cabinet company tended to also make the bathroom cabinets. And as a result, sometimes the bathrooms look like an extension of the kitchen. Yeah. It looks like a kitchen cabinet with a, with, with a marble countertop and a sink. That's exactly how my bathroom <laughs> and my master is. It's the same cabinetry and same countertop as my kitchen. So... So based on that, your experience mm-hmm. and a lot of people's experience, we said, well, that's, that's a huge opportunity in the marketplace is to create more furniture-esque items. So by that, I mean uh, people always were fascinated when someone would convert like an old chest of drawers or a sideboard or a server into a bathroom cabinet. Mm. So they were retrofitting that, putting it in the bathroom. Well, when people see that, it's so unusual for us. They're like, oh, wow. Something with character. That's really cool. So we said, well, let's just just continue with that and let's make cool bathroom vanities. So our initial line for the first three or four years was entirely furniture-style bathroom cabinets. So we had the look of uh, well-made cabinetry well, and it actually, it is, it was, we use furniture cabinetry uh, construction standards. Because again, that goes back to my background of, of selling brands like Stickley, which is, uh, you know, over-engineered cabinetry. It's in virtually indestructible. So we took those, those elements and said, okay, we're going to make a quality piece of furniture that has some personality. And we'll just see what happens, see if it's uh, rest- you know, the consumer's receptive to the product. And I think that's completely alive. If you look at James Martin's catalog today, even um, it kind of brings to 
a couple of the other points I wanted to discuss with you, because in, in speaking with you yesterday, you dropped, I think, what was a really prescient pearl of wisdom is that in presenting a product, it's about attracting eyes. It's about filling a space that's not filled yet. And I think that definitely is a testament to the philosophy you just shared there. But can you go more into like your insight on that? Because I think that really is a key to what uh, James Martin has developed over the last few years with its catalog. Yes, to, to your point, we've, we determined early on that your imagery is a key part of telling your story, whether you're, whether you're talking about the product or, or your brand mm. or your, your, your ethic, your lifestyle. So we wanted to focus on the, the imagery as a, as a key element. Now, people respond to images different ways. Some people like uh, room scenes with, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of ambiance and there's, there's background and there's color and there's window scenes and there's, there's, in, there's engaging uh, what we call romance shots for lack of a better term. And there's also people that say, I don't want to, I don't want to see the room scene. I don't want to see the romance. Just show me the product. So for that, for that consumer, you have just really basic meat and potatoes imagery, you know, white background. Here's the product. Here's the front. Here's the side. Here's the top. So I think you, you, you combine those elements and it becomes especially important, uh, in our, our contemporary buying environment, which is by that, I mean, you online sales, sure, which is accelerated obviously during, during the, our period of COVID. Yeah. Uh, people weren't able to, to travel, to go to the showrooms, to see the product. So they, so they had to go online, whether they, whether they like the process or not. So again, your, your imagery becomes very key because that's how they, they make a judgment. Um, whether they like your product or not, whether they're going to engage or not. So refining your imagery, refining your story, uh, that's of course an ongoing process. Sure. As lifestyles evolve and people's interest levels evolve. Uh, one of the, I think one of the, the beneficial outcomes of this living at home experience, this uh, COVID shut-in experience, is that people had more time to actually live in their homes and look around and, and look at their environment and say, you know, that kitchen could be better or that bathroom could be more functional or just more interesting doesn't fit my personality like I think it should. Right, exactly. Or the people that were at home more because uh, their children were, had virtual school. So now you have to pay, a, you pay more attention to, um, again, the functionality of your house. And you find that, you know, something, something doesn't work. Or again, something could be better when you have that many people in your home all the time. So perhaps you had to reconfigure uh, your your kitchen for more people, your bathroom for more people. We have seen a trend towards people adding more sinks in the bathroom, even in smaller bathrooms. Just say, hey, you know, 
this process on the more getting ready in the morning would be a lot easier if there was one more sink. So not trying to brush your teeth on top of one another. Right. And, yeah. Right. So the the other good, very good part of that is people are, are getting out of that box, that traditional box of here's what the bathroom looks like, here's what the kitchen looks like. You know, here's one cabinet, one sink, one mirror. Well, that doesn't necessarily fit the needs of everyone. So we're seeing more modular cabinetry. So you've got maybe a big cabinet with a sink and then a little cabinet or combination. So it's, people are definitely much more engaged in their, their surroundings, I think, as a result of COVID. So from a design standpoint, that's good because it's, people are just like, well, you know, let's, let's, let's make a change. Let's think outside the, the contemporary design and see what else is out there. Right. Yeah, it sounds like a, a unique combination that kind of is a catalyst for more of a willingness to both take on new projects and design, whereas probably before when you're caught up in the day-to-day and you're not using it as much, you kind of let that go as opposed to embracing, I'm here with this daily. I need to make a change. Yes, yes. And part of, uh, part of the coincidence or... Uh, maybe not even just as a result of having thousands or millions of people at home thinking about the same things, same time. Uh, maybe they did want to take a chance. They wanted to do something a little bit more, what they felt was unusual. Well, again, through social media or just by watching design television or design websites, they run into people who are going through the same process and saying, hey, well, they're, they're going to make a change also, and this person's making a change, and this person's making a change. So maybe this isn't such a huge risk. Yeah, it's that kind I of think more of a zeitgeist. To... That maybe, you know, let's try it. Mm-hmm. So as a result, you, you're starting to see um, more color, especially coming into the, the kitchens and the, uh, the bathrooms. Yeah. Primarily in kitchens. There's, there's a lot more color in kitchens the last couple of years, but I think that will translate into to bathrooms also. Yeah. We've seen a lot of pairing of like dramatic color, whereas, you know, several years ago, the trend was very much like distressed wood, white shiplap, whereas things now are a lot of dramatic. You're even seeing like deep purples and things enter the kitchen, whereas before that would, was not really on, on trend. And even uh, a really interesting mix of materials as well in the different like countertops and cabinetry and what we're seeing people are kind of willing to branch into and it's opened up a lot more um, space and design and it's one thing I noticed when looking at what James Martin offers is that there's a lot of pieces kind of looking at that modularity that don't I wouldn't necessarily pin exclusively as being nouveau or deco in design but being able to incorporate into those styles right so that's then that is very much uh, an intentional part of the design process is we're at a we're at a time in design where people want to explore their own style so they for example they say i do like art deco or i do like art nouveau but not necessarily a hundred percent yeah the purity of the design because it doesn't fit with the rest of my house, the rest of my lifestyle, the rest of, of what I want going on. So in order to accommodate that, we, we take those design elements, but then they're 
they're not strict they're not exacting so you you say okay we're gonna we're gonna have a hint of art deco but it's going to be leaned towards a little bit more transitional style and that can be done through the the details of the cabinet or the hardware or many times through the color hmm. so you can take a, a an art deco style cabinet but if you give it a more contemporary color then it's then it's last less of a again a rigid classification so it's a little bit easier for people to use design wise because uh, again it has to go with uh, the generally with the rest of the home mm -hmm. and their style because it's not very often that someone wants to purchase a single piece of furniture and then alter their entire house around that around that around that lifestyle or that historical period that's they find something about rare. a piece that kind of ties into but still can stand out on its own too right right so and and thinking about that and just kind of this this uh, philosophy of design and and not having it dictate the aesthetic but complement the ability to to integrate into an aesthetic um and one thing i wanted to follow up was uh was that some of the evolution of sort of borrowing from uh, the world of furniture design and sort of bringing in kind of what would be classic, uh, classic delineations of furniture design style into this and then trying to find a hybrid? Or how, how did you kind of arrive at that? That's, that's a good question. It's, my approach has, has mainly been looking at uh, period architecture hmm. rather than the the furniture of the period um, because in architecture you you tend to see certain uh, design motifs or carvings or shapes or proportion which people have over time have said you know that's that's nice looking that is that is pleasing to look at and the then the challenge is to to take that that element of that that architecture or that period of time and translate it into a cabinet. So rather than uh, taking a period correct cabinet piece of furniture and trying to modernize it, that's that can be a little bit more of a challenge uh, because then you get a you can wind up with an, with an unusual or jarring end result. Whereas if you take the you take again the, the essence of the, the period or the style and merge it onto sort of a contemporary idea, a modern idea of a of a cabinet, keeping in mind the, the functionality. Interesting. And, Almost a deconstructionist approach to uh, what is like the essence of those elements and then rebuilding it in a new design. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. No, that's fascinating. And I think with kind of what we've led up to here in the discussion, you know, looking at that approach and then the new uh, trend of the consumer, I mean, where do you kind of see things headed now that we're kind of, I guess, not to use what is already becoming a tired cliche of the new normal, but this idea that, you know, we're seeing a willingness of, of people to be much more um, iterative and experimental in their own personal space that they're building, but also the willingness to, there's not as much of a need to visit brick and mortar and put your hands on it and face to face with a salesman. I'm willing to take the risk to shop online. And in something that I often relate to, it's a lot like how uh, 
wedding planning had evolved. You do a lot of homework, you make a lot of decisions, and then when you're ready to pull the trigger, you're kind of building out this large process. And, and so where do you think kind of all these different factors are taking us? Again, I go back to color. Uh, I think you're gonna continue to see a trend towards deeper colors or more saturated colors in different parts of the home in the cabinetry. Um, again, historically, if people wanted a little bit of color in the house, it wasn't something that was built in. It was something they could switch out. So if it was an accent chair or even a pillow, you know, you, you someone decides, oh, I'm gonna try that, that bright orange pillow. And if I don't like it, it's not the end of the world to, to change it out. Now, I think again, you're seeing the, the confidence to if they want a, if they want an orange cabinet they're going to they're going to try it now again drew as you said there's more opportunities to do research online because the the explosion of the different avenues of again the design websites mm-hmm. blogs like social media yeah, the influencers is, is almost endless i think that as people find room scenes or or images that they like and they say yeah i i can see that from my house again they can follow that person or they can more actively easily seek out uh previous posts from that person and say yeah i i like that style and uh, now it's 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 even easier you know like with the with the wonder of google you can literally take the image or capture part of the image and do a Google search. Mm-hmm. And if that product is available, then there's a good chance you're actually gonna, to, it's gonna direct you to some websites where you can actually purchase a, that product. Or even use the augmented tool and put that object in the room itself or change the color of it with these new apps um, that you yes. can use to yes. really put it in your home without putting it in your home. Yes, and that's and that gets into the the what's happening now but also the the very near future and that's how the augmented reality capabilities really make the the consumer have 100% confidence and and comfort with their purchase because they can literally see it in their home in their room uh, and the again the capabilities uh, just become greater and greater you know, you can you can change the wall color, the floor color. You can change the furniture. You can change the the lighting. Uh, so, uh, it's going to become a a fairly seamless process, and it bec- as it becomes more user friendly, uh, that's I think the key. Is if someone says, "Yep, that that's exactly how I want it," and then they they just you know you push a button and you purchase it, and you're ready to go. You know, it makes me uh, wonder about a question, and on this one, I'll ask you to completely editorialize as far as your answer, but, um, you know, talking about the idea of, like, design and that, you know, there are classic motifs that kind of withstand the test of time, and you also mentioned a transitional period, and we're looking at this environment of influencers, which one of my thoughts would be, does this challenge the idea that there perhaps was prior when maybe there was more of a monoculture in a sense of, 
um, you have like lead design minds kind of dictating what the trend is. And do we still see that now and it's just in more of a, a, a niche facet with influencers or are we still sort of seeing there might be a cacophony of ideas and content and things out there, but there are still either strong trends or are we seeing more of like a, a disillusion of the strong trend and more of this approach to a really unique iterative design? It's, it's, a, it's actually, in my opinion, it's a, it's a combination of both. You still have some, some tried and true, let's, let's call them famous designers or signature designers, yeah. who, who by their, their very nature, that the fact that they are famous means that they design spaces that resonate with people. So some of them are, you know, well-known and they have access to, let's call it uh, traditional avenues of uh, exposure. Okay. So what's your shelter magazines, Veranda, Architecture Digest. Opposite to that, you have this is where Drew, this is where your cacophony comes in, is people that have access to a smartphone and, and a, an app like a TikTok or what have you can take a video or can take photos and say, this is, I think this is a cool design. I like this style. I like this color. I like this object. Again, if their choice resonates with people, and other people say, yes, I like that, then the, then the same effect happens. It just happens, it can happen much more quickly. Yeah. Much, I mean, you know, the, the speed of information, the speed of electrons, it's just... And it's says, hitting a whole different target demographic too. Totally new demographic. Totally new, and again, the, perhaps the, the audience for that person is willing to take more more what we could call risks in design um, or be more a little bit more adventurous. So you have both. I think you are seeing a, a falling away of traditional styles, of regimented trends. Trends. Yeah. So now there are definitely some still uh, like the modern farmhouse trend and the, the rustic or the what we kind of sometimes call mountain modern. Mm. Again, those are those are generally accepted trends. That it's like people are like, yeah, I like that. I could live with that. Um, and the cycle, I think that going forward, the cycle is going to be a little bit a little bit broken. You know, it used to be it used to be that we did have regimented periods where, you know, 18th century traditional was popular. Um, Asian influences were popular in the late 60s, early 70s. You know, th there was an Art Deco period. Yeah, you can 1920s. kind of identify the decade of design. The decade. You had yeah. arts and crafts. You had streamlined 1940s, mid-century modern. And now people are saying, well, I, I can do what I like, not what is necessarily culturally popular right now. So that creates, creates a lot of opportunities, but it creates a lot of challenges. Because if, if you are a manufacturer or you are designing products, how do you design a product when, when the interest level is so diverse? Yeah, and the genre is becoming uh, really a myriad of sub-genre. It, 
seems to be kind of the way you're describing the, yes. the trend. So, yeah, and it, I mean, and that seems to circle back to kind of this approach of, of you know, uh, pulling these like strong tested design ideas, but making them in something I even think of, um, especially with James Martin's line of mirrors and just looking at things there that the line work, the materials used is something that would be very complimentary. It, you know, uh, a piece that there are several pieces I would say you could work either into um, Art Deco or Nouveau, which is generally not as common, but seeing something like the uh, crescent moon mirror with like gold, you know, that can kind of go either way depending on what it's complemented with. Right. Yeah. Right. And you, you have, uh, I am going to, I am going to call out one of my favorite designers, please. Uh, Kelly Wurstler, uh, based in Southern California. And Kelly has, I think one of the, the most remarkable abilities to take very diverse design elements that if you if you look at a if you look at them independently you could never visualize them together in the same same space or same room you go that's there's no way those are going to work together but she's able to use negative space and subtle color to actually to actually take these these opposite design elements and make them merge and I, I wouldn't call them necessarily harmonious but they're they're very interesting rooms to to view or to be in hmm. juxtaposition juxtaposition where you where she's got this this ability that the when you come into a, a very harmonious room it flows right your eye kind of easily goes around the space whereas her projects tend to have some some elements or some accents where your eye stops and your eye is absolutely fascinated by that particular object, whether it's a sculpture or a mirror or a piece of art. And it's like you have to absorb that and then you continue around the room. So it's a very, it's a, it's a remarkable skill set. Yeah, it sounds like a much more active approach uh like looking at you know art composition on a canvas where you would have a focal point and asymmetry to actually kind of uh, curate the viewer's experience to the space yes yeah and, and how that and how that relates back to your your point about the having different design elements that can work in your room um, let's say you do have a, a deco style accent mirror but the room isn't art deco necessarily well again there's a way to make it work. And it may be through accent colors, uh, patterns. So again, that goes back to the, the research that people can do online and in the design magazines now and say, okay, this is an example of, of merging these disparate designs and I like this and I like this and I like this. And again, it's just a, it's a matter of exposure and long-term building confidence to, to do it. And I, I mean, I love this sort of higher minded discussion too on sort of design and art and, and where it's taking the industry. But I think what would be just amazing to hear is how does one who says, hey, I've been home for a year and a half and I'm excited to design my space. I'm not necessarily an artist or an architect. How, what would you recommend as a starting point to cultivate the eye, to complement the confidence you mentioned, to start like envisioning a space? And if you had any sort of tidbits that would give someone kind of the breadcrumb path to well, exploring. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you say that because I'm I'm actually going through that 
myself right now. I'm I'm remodeling uh, my house, my home, and even though I'm in the industry, it's sometimes it's very difficult to find a starting point and say, well, what what am I doing here? What do I What's like? What's the plan? Yeah. So for me, I found out that I would go to. I say, okay, what's going to be the most permanent part of this this house? What's going to be the most difficult to change? So I better really like it. And that's the flooring. So I actually started with the floors. Literally so, starting from the ground up. Yeah. Ground up. yeah. Start with the floors. So, it, you know, in the in the living spaces, it was, I, I wanted wood. Bathrooms, I did want tile or stone. But I didn't know exactly, you know, which ones. So just start by Googling the tile stores and the flooring stores and, and finding the ones around you or the ones you can shop online. And then literally just, you know, saving the pictures, saying, you know, right, I like this tile. I like this natural stone. I like this color of floor. Build a library. And once you're able to say, okay, this is this is what I want for the for the floor, the tile, your basic elements. Then again, you can you can do online searches, and say, you know, rooms with walnut floor, rooms with black slate floor, and you're going to get exposure to to hundreds or thousands of uh, images of interiors, with with your elements, your design elements, your combination. So again, that's just a matter of saying, okay, I, I like this, I don't like that. And again, just building blocks. And as you go element by element, then ideally you wind up with, with essentially a finished, a finished home. No, that's, that's fascinating. And one of the things I wonder, cause I think, I think we're starting to see more and more of that becoming the process. And I think that's a great tidbit to say, Hey, let's start with something that's like a large material area. It's kind of a, one of the bigger pieces of our canvas yes. and we'll begin there and then start to see sort of what are the compliments to it. Hey guys, Drew from the Appliance Educator podcast here. And I just wanted to take a minute out to talk about our amazing sponsor, Z-Line Kitchen and Bath. You've heard the guests and the hosts talk about this amazing brand and all the attainable luxury that they create right here in the heart of Lake Tahoe, USA. From freestanding ranges to ventilation, dishwasher and microwave, to everything you'll need to complete your next bathroom project, Z-Line Kitchen and Bath is bringing luxury into your next project. Um, and I know, you know, the next thing on most people's minds when they're looking at a, a home design project is also just everything we've heard about the supply chain, availability, oh, yeah. selection. But one thing, you know, and that's not a new thing to discuss. We everyone's experienced some type of challenge with that over the last year it, it's just part of living in today's world but the one thing i wonder too and i think where you might have some really shrewd insight is the pendulum swinging back or where things are headed now that we've sort of hit uh, a point where you see large companies even you know uh, chartering their own shipping channel to meet supply chain but that's obviously going to have ramifications of challenging what other smaller competitors might have access to but when it comes to the end consumer what do you kind of foresee on the horizon? Is this like the birth of new modes of shopping? Are we going to see a consolidation into larger prominent channels? What do you think's coming? We, we have seen uh, a very dramatic shift in people running into these, these supply challenges 
on the, on all facets of their life, whether it's groceries, clothing, home furnishings, appliances, building materials. It's not available. It's not available. It's not available. It's not available. People have sort of assimilated that, and now they have a much greater patience, hmm. which is that's the biggest change I see because we, you know, we we were acclimated to our, our Amazon culture which was, you know, I'm no, going to order no, no, it, no. I order it today, I, I want it tomorrow. Yeah. Well, people are running into, I can't have it tomorrow. And it's, and it's multiple items that they can't have tomorrow. And they can't even have it next week. And it might not even be here for a month. Well, I think one of the, one of the results of that is people put more importance on that purchase. They say, well okay, do I really want that one? And I'm going to wait a week or a month or three months. Or do I want this, this other version that I can get tomorrow? So that's the biggest, that's the biggest change. I think, again, I think people are, are thinking more seriously about their purchases. Uh, again, creating value to the purchase. That's a nice change where, again, people can just slow down a little bit and say okay let's just let's let's live a little bit instead of just the end let's go 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 yeah and, and more of a commitment to the time in making the choice it sounds like more time in making the choice and you you will see changes to the the supply chain uh, I think that you will see more companies um, onshoring and by, by that I mean you bringing uh, manufacturing back to the United States, or at least back to North America. Mm. Uh, whereas they, you know, they, we, we had established this system over, over the last couple decades of just-in-time delivery for so many different products that we took it for granted because it worked well. And then it just stopped, stopped working. And it's going to take us a very long time to extricate ourselves from the the slow flow of goods, uh, because it's you know if you buy a product, it may have different components in it that come from different suppliers, different manufacturers. Well, if even just one of those suppliers of one of those components is not able to deliver, then the entire product cycle is slowed way way down so it's it's going to force people to to really reevaluate re um, the supply chains and and again the importance of the products they purchase do you expect a point where there's going to kind of be i don't know let's say 18 to 24 months out where we see kind of like a an explosion of availability and there's just a whole you know myriad of choices available or that the trends during this time are going to cause on the production side more of a focus on product line? That's, that's where I, I wish I did have a crystal ball. Yeah. I really, I have no idea how it's going to shake out once this immediate demand is filled. Uh, because, you know, we've, we've seen an explosion of, of people remodeling or building new remodel the kitchen, remodel the bathroom. Well, there reaches a point where you're, you're not gonna remodel your bathroom 
every three years, no. just because. So you will see this sort of downshifting of demand. Mm. Uh, but again, the, the time frame for that, I, I just, I wish I knew. Sure. But I, I, I can't even guess. And it's one of the things I find myself so curious about is we've kind of all now identified what it is happening, you know, and kind yes. of come to accept it. But the big thing I'm wondering is, you know, there's a huge opportunity for people to fill all these different challenges with new ideas. But there's also the eventuality that things do kind of go back to mostly how they were before. And I keep finding myself so curious about where are we going to be when we sort of reach that point and there's kind of a 80 20 mix of the two and, and what does it look like because i think you know it's an unprecedented time yes and and i find myself so fascinated with what are we going to see not so much with what we are calling the new normal now but what the new normal becomes as the sort of uh scaling back and return to what is post yes quarantine i i, I can tell you what i what i hope for is that people do pay more attention to their their local resources and there's that the the proverbial mom and pop industries so an example would be that you go to a, a big box retailer and you're looking for a sofa and the the sofas that they have available for immediate delivery you just you not you don't like it you go, ah, it's not really great. So you've got, you go home, you're disappointed. But maybe the next day you're driving down the street and you see a local upholstery company. And you say, you know, if I have to wait anyway, let's just go see what this, what this shop, what this showroom can do. And, and maybe I give them a chance. And then you've got more interaction. You're more involved in the design process because you can, you can pick the exact style you want, you can pick the fabric you want, and again, you're supporting the, the local business. Mm -hmm. So th that's my hope, is that that translates into, into lots of different industries outside just the home furnishings, is that people go, well, you know, the, there is a, someone here in town that is able to, to make that product or find the product that I want. So rather than the sort of like online accessibility being the extinction of your local designer, more of a, a prominence now that people say, I've got enough insight where I want to collaborate with an expert to guide me. Right. My worry on that is the tradesmen's for this kind of thing is how do we promote people to keep making these kinds of trades and keep progressing in the trades and not just think, oh, I just order it. Oh, I just order it. That, that is, that is the biggest challenge is how do you match the the trade to to the need because there is no directory of you know for every city every town to say well wh who makes sofas mm -hmm. who makes cabinetry who who does this who, i mean it, it's you you there's a little bit more work there's a little bit more research involved in that the challenge then becomes, well, is the, is the consumer willing to do that research versus falling back on our, our existing habit of going, yeah, you know what? I can just click I the can button. I can just click on this button right here mm -hmm. and, and buy it. So, I'm, again, I, 
I'm, I'm hopeful that people will take a little bit more time um, to make the decisions or pay more attention to the, to the source going forward, just because we've had this sort of timeout, this global timeout with COVID and, and the side effects of it, the, to say, well, you know, let's, let's just look at new ways to, to do a little bit of everything. Will that stick? I don't know. I don't know. And with, you know, with the challenges and the time we've seen and, and the shifting trends we've discussed, I'd, I'd love to know, what do you see as one of the best product decisions made in the last year or so in this in this space? Is there anything that really jumps to mind of, of someone you've seen really innovate well? Well, there's a, I'll give you a recent example of something that sort of, for me, checks all the boxes. And the, the faucet company, uh, uh, Brizo, Brizo, excuse me, just launched uh, a Frank Lloyd Wright hmm. collection. And they, you can tell by the, the imagery and the literature and the marketing effort that they took a lot of time. They did a lot of research. And it's this sort of this great marriage of the history with the product so that you've you've got this you know one of the most famous if not the most famous architects in the western hemisphere people were familiar with his style and they say well, you know wouldn't it be cool if i could get something that was like frank lloyd wright ask for for this for that for this so now you know I'm almost, I'm actually surprised it didn't happen much, much sooner, but it's a, that's a, that's a, one of my favorite examples of a great effort of making a meaningful product with a, with a good history, which is understandable by the consumer. Uh, again, it just goes back to that sort of ideal marriage of, gosh, I like this product and it has this history, it has this story, it has this meaning of how it came into being. That's how you create confidence for people to, to, to say, yeah, I, can, I want that for my house. No, that seems like a perfect capitulation of what you kind of mentioned where they are going to evoke such a strong pronounced sensibility, but rather than it being a fully custom designed architectural piece, it's a fixture. Right. Yeah. Right, and it's something that, that people, you know, it gives they, a cool factor. It's cool, and and I you can have it. I can have it. You know, you literally just go to the store and say, "I want the Frank Lloyd Wright faucet." Mm -hmm. So, that's again. I think that's a that's a very a very well done product evolution, and and again, marketing to a need, marketing to an interest. No, that's fascinating, Scott. This has been a a fantastic conversation and I just want to thank you so much thank for your you. time today. Honestly, we could definitely do this again. So no pressure, but we'd love to have okay. you back on the podcast. And I just love to thank you so much for your insight and your time today. Um, where's the best place for our audience to find you online? Oh, <laughs> we're going to have to edit this part. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Cause I, I'm actually, 
I'm actually a really low-key personality. That's um, fair. I have zero, zero online presence. Then where would you send, you know, that that home designer who'd be listening to our podcast today and said, boy, he, sh- he shared so much good insight and I'm, he's bolstered my confidence to go on this journey. Where would you send someone online to begin their design journey? I, what I can do is I can tell you again from my own experience of research for my own house is my two favorites are are easy recommendations and that's house and pinterest because they they both have life they give you exposure to design and lifestyle and and different product categories they go about it different ways but they also they both make it very easy for you to go to to find the next the next step or the next image or the next product and go okay one, two, three, four, five. So it's just a very, it can be a very linear process. And to amend one of my earlier statements <laughs> about starting with the floor, I, I give you an example where I thought I knew the floor color I wanted. And I Googled the walnut floors and I found it came across an image that had a, a charcoal colored kitchen. And I thought, you know, I've always said I wanted a black kitchen or a charcoal, dark charcoal gray kitchen. I said, well, you know, you really, are you going to do it? And that's where I, my, that sort of solidified my, my design for the whole house is to say, okay, I do want the walnut floors and here's this, here's this beautiful black kitchen with these sleek black appliances. And it's just like, again, it's to the cool factor. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, that's, I want that. So I think people, the exposure to the to the imagery on the websites is is really key because it helps you say yeah that's that's really what i want as opposed to saying well that's that's okay yeah the I'll, confidence, t- I'll take that the confidence kicker yes yeah. yes assurance yeah so it is it's an organic journey so people i think need to be flexible and say yeah well you know i always thought i wanted a navy blue kitchen or a, or a sunlight yellow kitchen but now that i see this one i actually like that better so again it goes just goes back to building a library of the of the stuff you like fantastic scott thank you so much i mean i know our conversation today has me already thinking about some some new ways i want to look at my space at home yeah i don't know that's just it kind of solidifies how i've been kind of exploring things is start here and then kind of build Yep. and see what works best for you and explore yeah. explore mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's all about the just finding looking at looking at the images and going to the next website and the next website and the or the next enjoy the process and yeah yeah so well thank you so much for joining us today scott it's a absolutely. privilege to have you on the cast thank you thank you This has been the Appliance Educator Podcast, brought to you by Z-Line Kitchen and Bath. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow at Appliance Educator for more tips and tricks and advice to keep your home running at optimal performance. If you have any ideas or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes of the show, leave us a comment. Appliance Educator, signing off.